And I want us to actually start in Scripture, which is always a good place to start. And I thought, rather than get you to stand again, I want you guys to um, read this with me. We're going to read it through, and then I'm going to come back to something. So let's just read through Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32, about living as children of light. Read with me. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbours the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. I want us especially to focus right at the start of what we've just read today. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. I guess it's easy in our world today to feel confused. And there are so many issues and problems that can be overwhelming. And I think often we can kind of throw up our hands and think it's all just too hard. I don't know what to think. You know, let the leaders tell us what we think and where we're going to go or what we're going to do. Because it's hard work to think through things. And, you know, we can delve into scripture and sometimes that still doesn't give us clarity on what we are supposed to think about the big issues and whether that's terrorism or whether that's asylum seekers or whether that's uh, same-sex marriage or whatever the issue is, we're confronted by a whole lot of confusing social things and things that test our faith and test our grounding in scripture and really test our own sense of what we believe God is speaking to us about particular issues. 
So it's easy to have this sense of confusion and I think that's what this verse refers to today and it's, although it's talking about the Gentiles, I think it's really, it's referring to, you know, we live in a society that's confusing and we can feel lost and unsure and unclear. And even I noticed yesterday, this must be a, a German slide because we can also be bewildered. <laughs> but all that's to say, sometimes there's stuff that we actually don't think about because it seems too big and too hard. Or we just haven't got there because there's so many things we could think about. What I'm hoping to um, challenge and maybe educate you a little bit on today is the issue of prostitution. And that's also because you as a church community have engaged, started to engage in this space and you're supporting those who are doing practical ministry in this space. So I think it's worth knowing a little bit about what you're doing and why you're doing it so that you can be salt and light in a world that is hopelessly confused. So what do you know about prostitution? Does anyone read your local rag? This was in Dandenong Journal last week month. Working girls, big love behind the brothel door. This is also the sort of thing that we're exposed to when, when we think about prostitution, this kind of happy hooker image. It's the image of the glamorous um, sex worker earning big money from a glamorous lifestyle and, you know, sometimes the happy ever after, she falls in love with the client and they live happily ever after. This is the, the images that we're kind of exposed to and society seems to accept as to what prostitution is about. Well, those from this church who are engaged in the brothel ministry and who are exposed to actual people working in prostitution aren't seeing a lot of that glamorous image. It's a lot more like these sorts of images. Women who are in this situation because they haven't got a lot of other options to survive. They often have addictions. They often have come from uh, settings of family violence. They often have had experience of child sexual abuse. They've really got a not, not a lot of options open to them, so they find themselves earning a living through selling themselves for sex. So I want to ask the question, what do you actually know about prostitution globally in Melbourne and even locally? This is what uh, prostitution looks like internationally. And you can see in the top left, that's a brothel in Mumbai. And the, on the right, this is a uh, club in the Philippines. On the bottom left, that's a karaoke bar in Thailand. And on the right, it's street sex work in Bali. These are all the faces of prostitution, the commerce in the selling of people's bodies for sex. This is what prostitution looks like in Australia. The uh, Daily Planet is a brothel in Elstonwick, which is listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. You can buy shares in the Daily Planet and get a, you know, what are, you, what are they called? Dividends from uh, your investment in prostitution. You can also look up just about uh, any website and you don't even have to look it up often. You get things popping up on your screen for escorts and sexual services that you can buy through online methods. You can walk down the street in just about any suburb and see sex shops and peep shows. You can attend Sexpo, which is our marvellous 
lifestyle exhibition underwritten by the Australian adult entertainment industry as, again, a particularly, in society's view, positive and desirable thing that we need, Sexpo, which is the sexuality and lifestyle exhibition. You can also pick up most newspapers or online papers and find advertisements for sexual services. This is what prostitution looks like here. This is also what prostitution looks like here. These are all brothels that our teams visit. Building like any other, with a car park and usually a neon sign uh, where people go to buy other people to have sex with them. These are the brothels in your local area and this is your local, this is your guys' Salvo's Cupcake team from Catalyst Church. The, oh, sorry, these are... These are within 10 kilometres of here, these brothels. And these are legal. So our society is saying, that's fine, get a licence and you can set up as a business selling people for sex. This is what illegal prostitution looks like in Australia. So this is street sex work in St Kilda, uh, Grave Street in St Kilda. And those other three pictures, you've probably got, or you definitely have places like that around here. These three uh, massage parlours are within five kilometres of my home, but there are, the Federal Police believe that there are 400 illegal brothels in Victoria. There are 97 legal ones, so four times as many illegal places selling sex and sexual services. They're set up as these massage parlours, you know, Thai massage parlours or whatever. They're fronts for prostitution. I just referred to this is what legal uh, prostitution looks like and this is what illegal prostitution looks like. You may or may not be aware that Australian states treat prostitution differently. The eastern seaboard states, the green ones, have legalised or decriminalised the activity of prostitution in some way. So society, which is then outworked through our parliaments and the laws that they make, have said this is a legitimate job, people should be able to make money out of this, we'll put a legal framework around it and this commerce can happen legally. The other states and most of the rest of the world still operates on what has historically been how societies have dealt with prostitution, which is to treat it all as a crime, both the buying and selling of sexual services. So the blue states still ha um, have not legalised, so prostitution is a criminal activity in those states. So coming back to Victoria, I just mentioned there are actually 97 legal registered brothels. So people who have supposedly had their background check to say that they're fit to run a business um, and have got a licence and paid the government licensing fees and pay tax on their income that they put through the books. Um, so we have 97 legal brothels. Global uh, statistics tell us that in Australia, one in six men have paid for sex. So there is a big market for sexual services to be purchased in Australia. If you look up the yellow pages, you'll find 388 listings for adult massage and 356 for adult entertainment. These are encompassing terms for sexual services. Also in the yellow pages, you'll find 309 listings for McDonald's stores. It's easier to buy sex than it is to buy a Big Mac. 
Think about that. These brothels are all legal brothels within 10 kilometres of here. And some of these your team visits. So I guess what I'm hoping that you're starting to think is, oh, if I didn't know that, maybe I should have. And what should my response be to this? How do we grapple with this? Some people will say, that's fine. Sex is work, it's a business, it's a woman's right to sell her body, she can do whatever she wants. And basically that's what our society is telling us, the values of the world. I think in terms of kingdom values, perhaps something stirs within us that makes us uneasy when we actually learn about this situation. So that's the education piece. There's some information which I hope you'll kind of think on and ruminate about and try and work out with you and God and with others, what is your response to knowing this? One way that um, we've dealt with this, and I'm actually a salvo, um, and I operate as part of the mission of the Salvation Army, even though my day job, I work for the Baptist Union. But I'm uh, a salvo at heart. And part of how my response kind of outworked to that question of, well, what am I going to do about this awareness that I actually don't think prostitution is okay and I don't think that women should be sold for the sexual gratification of men, but what am I going to do about that? So I've, um, over a number of years, been involved with Salvo's brothel support teams. This is our internal name for it. Obviously, out in the market in brothels, we call ourselves Salvo's cupcake teams because that's a less confronting language to use in brothels. But we're basically the Salvo's brothel support teams. And this is what your church and your volunteers are part of, operating under this Salvation Army Ministry banner. We've currently got 32 members um, in 78 of the, actually a few more, of the Victorian registered brothels. We're in five brothels on the Gold Coast and 12 in Sydney and growing uh, rapidly. In the course of a year, we would have in excess of 8,000 contacts with women engaging in prostitution. So what do we do? And I'm not sure how much your team has shared with you because this is kind of a, an under-the-radar type ministry in lots of ways because not everybody is called to be part of a visiting team. But it's worth, I think, church families, particularly one like this, being aware that this sort of ministry is happening because absolutely prayer is the foundation of this ministry. So um, it's worth you knowing a little bit about what your guys do when they bake cakes and go out and visit women working in brothels. So here's two of your lovely team members. I think Val's also visiting member. Oh. There are others that have been involved and Cheryl's been critical from the start critical to this ministry, not critical of the ministry. <laughs> She's been instrumental in getting this off the ground. And cupcakes is one of the key tools that we use. This is simply a kind of ice-breaking tool. And it's kind of this, what are these women doing on our doorstep with this brothel with cakes? And it's a way that we get access, and it's a branding tool that we use as part of our ministry. 
we also ensure that whenever we visit brothels, we leave a contact card. And this is so that women who might not feel free at the time when we're there, if the manager's there or if other women are there to engage with us or ask for help that they might want, they can always pick up a card and have that in their wallet um, and call us or email us at any time so that they have access to someone who can help them. So our contact cards are key. And we also take... Uh, flyers that just give a really quick overview of this is who we are and this is what we do. If you need help with, um, you know, financial counselling or a friend's got a drug problem or any sort of support services that we might be able to connect women with, we provide a flyer. And as you can see, we do that in multiple languages. There's a very high proportion of uh, Asian women working in brothels in Australia. Oh, and I use that term working advisedly, um, who we find in brothels in Australia. So we have our materials translated into Korean, Chinese, Vietnamese, Thai, others, whatever we need. We also have an offering, because this, of this high incidence of non-English um, speaking women in brothels, who often have come here out of all sorts of circumstances, but some of their motivation is that they want to improve their English uh, because that gives them a chance to get a better job if their English skills are better. So we started this English conversation teams where the brothel team contacts in the brothel, connect women with this team, and they then have one-on-one -on -one English conversation. It's not formal English classes, but it's conversation with English speakers who will build a relationship with them. Um, so again, we take flyers in different languages offering this um, add-on support service. The cakes again. So I guess coming back to this notion of uh, light that we started off with about, you know, the Gentiles who were hopelessly confused and, and I think the, the word before about these guys being a lighthouse, I think as Christians... We have an imperative to bring light into dark places. And I think it's hard for us to do that effectively if we haven't done the thinking through, well, what do I think about this? And what is my response to what I now understand? I want us to look again at this verse. With the Lord's authority I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So that's kind of where I come back to in the whole, you know, once we become aware of something, once we get educated on what the issues are, then I think there's this imperative on us to wrestle with, well, okay, what do I do with that? And for some people, some women, that's going to be, I need to be part of a response like Salvo's Cupcake Teams and what your community is involved with. It might be that there are other ways that God is calling you to respond. And that might be, again, in, in other ways of supporting this ministry. But, you know, prostitution and the legal brothel set up in Victoria is not the only dark place that exists. There are lots and lots of dark places. 
the one that I've shared is what God has put on my heart and this is my area of passion. But he calls us each to different places. And I think really the inspiration message this morning is what is God stirring in you to become aware of so that you can be light in whichever dark places it is that God's calling you to? And the questions that I think we need to ask, we got the worship, um, are these, you know, am I aware of the issues in whatever social issue we're talking about? Am I equipped to act? Am I informed? Have I done the research? Do I understand what's going on? Have I sat with God and wrestled through, well, what are you asking me to do about this? And am I available and obedient? And I think um, Matt and Tanya are well-placed to lead you in this because I've seen in their living and their lives obvious obedience and that sensitivity to what's God requiring of us to do about this. It's all very well to know stuff, but what are we uh, called to do? So I want to just hope as the worship band plays and is going to lead us in a final song, I would really encourage you to think through and reflect on what are the dark places that God is calling you to? Where, Where is our society confused and lost and unsure that you can actually be the one to bring the light of Christ into that setting.